This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. First up, I'm going to do this the anti-polite way tonight. I'm going to go to our veteran first who's sitting next to me, a guy you see on the O Show on Cable 14. You, He's involved in I don't know how many other things around town. Lauren Lieberman, thanks for doing this again, sir. My pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. And next to him... We have, uh, oh, it's a rookie, first of all, in here, but we have, over the last number of weeks, while the Mohawk strike has, or the college, right? not just Mohawk, while the college strike has been going on, we have been trying to bring in journalism and broadcasting students to give them something to do while they're off. We don't want them just sitting at home playing video games. And this next guest was supposed to be here last week, but she couldn't make it in, and I said, well, we're going to do it this week then because, you know, the strike is over. You're back at school. You've got stuff to do. But Emily Taylor, journalism student at Mohawk, thanks for coming in. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me, Scott. <laughs> we are thrilled to have you. As I say, we, uh, we've been trying to do this. Now, I guess we can't really, do, now that you guys are all so busy now, and I certainly can't ask any nurses in now that they're going to go right through till I don't know when, next Christmas to try and get this <laughs> semester done. Hey, me too. You guys too? You <laughs> guys are yeah. that far behind? <laughs> Let us, uh, you know what, since you're here and since you're a college student and uh, since this is so topical this week, let's start with this because you both know the story, I'm sure, about this case at Wilfrid Laurier University. We've talked about it on the show. We had the student here on the show earlier in the week. She shows a video of a professor from University of Toronto, Jordan Peterson, controversial figure to be sure, but she plays a video that by all accounts is done not taking a position, just showing a bit of a debate and the, well, some of the folks anyway at Laurier don't like that she showed this video of this person that they don't agree with and the star chamber descended and she was called onto the carpet and she was chastised and ripped for, for showing something like this. Now, thankfully she recorded the interrogation so that everyone saw how crazy it was and how ridiculous it was, but it raised a broader question, I think, and that is about, obviously, free speech on campus. You're the student. I'm going to go to you first, Emily. Should there be, should free speech on university, some people say free speech shouldn't be allowed on campus at all. It should be controlled so we don't hurt people's feelings. I argue free speech across the board. But should free speech be an absolute on campus? Should anything you say short of stab that person or whatever, should, should anything short of a criminal threat or something be allowed on campus? Well, threats, I really don't think so because that can get very dangerous. But free speech, of course, like how how am I supposed to learn if I can't be vocal, say my opinions, and I know my opinions won't always be correct or right or someone's, there's going to always be someone who doesn't agree with me. But how can I have this intelligent conversation if someone's not going to argue with me or if I'm not going to learn from them, you know? But and, you might say something that could hurt someone's feelings. And I would hope someone would say, hey, Emily, that, that was way out of line, and I would apologize for that. And, you know, there's people like that in the world. They think how they think, and that's who they are, and that's how they grow up, right? We should be happy that we live in a world where we can talk a little more and say our feelings, and unfortunately, it can be crossed and, you know, get people upset but personally I would never say something that I know would be offensive and would just start a riot but in the back of my mind it's nice to know that I can stand for what I feel and if someone doesn't agree with it it's kind of expected because no one's ever going to completely agree with you so that's how I kind of feel about that what do you think Lauren absolute absolute free speech should it certainly should be that way but I don't think our institutions of higher learning have a free speech concern I think they have um, a strong left-wing agenda, and nothing can penetrate beyond that. So this isn't, it's often couched in, into the world of um, hate speech. Yes. Right, and anything from the right is perceived as hate speech, but hate speech is absolutely fine if it comes from the left perspective. For example, at McMaster University, 100% tolerance for Israeli apartheid week and all the hatred that comes towards the country of Israel and the Jewish people, that's fine. But it's not that you can have it coming from the right the other way. It's not an issue of free speech. It's that all the intellectuals, all the staff and the agenda of our um, institutions of higher learning are in lockstep with a left-wing agenda. Are you okay? So, uh, and your point is well made that, I, I mean, I agree in many cases, in most cases, that the the lack of willingness to listen seems to be coming more from one side. But if, are you okay with listening to the anti-Israeli apartheid comments if you can have the other one? 
See, I'm. I say if yeah, I'm if I'm absolutely. gonna if I'm gonna have my opinion and it's different from that, I have to be willing to accept that people of a different opinion. I have to listen to them. I can't then say you can't you're shut them. down. Exactly. I agree with that. And you know, I've been lucky at Mohawk where. I haven't had to deal with anything like that. It's been overall really good and opinions are welcomed. I mean, there's been some situations as we've just recently come across in your show. Maybe we'll touch on that. But um, yeah, so I've been really lucky where opinions have been welcomed and, you know, each side has been said. But for sure, you can't say one thing and then ignore the other side of it and, you know. Or shut it down. Exactly. That's mm. just rude. And then you, that person would probably be mad that they're not listening to them, right? That That's not fair. So. But see, I think it's even more than rude because my issue, and I think this is what Lauren is getting at to some degree, and I don't want to speak for you, Lauren, but who decides what is the acceptable thing to say or not to say? And if everybody shares one or most people share one political view, or one political philosophy or one political leaning. Like if I, if I say something and it offends me, but it fill, but the person who says that it, it's within the realm of the politically correct or politically accepted language, I can't say you can't say that. I think the gay marriage debate was a wonderful example of how some people, and, and let's call them Christians as they often identified that way, opposed to the legalization of gay marriage because of their religious understandings and otherwise. And and for the record, I wholeheartedly support it. But I also wanted to understand the other perspective. And just because that person doesn't agree with me doesn't mean they have hatred in their heart. They are allowed to feel differently because you can't teach feelings and you can't mandate feelings. And people's opinions come from how they feel. But we have become a society that is very quick to add uh, some sort of phobic or ick or ist or whatever else at the end. If you disagree, it must mean, Lauren, that you hate a person. If you disagree with someone, you must hate them. And I think that's just what everyone just judges. Like, that's how they get rid of the situation. And it's sad. I think that's the shutdown mechanism. Exactly. And I don't understand why it is. And I think we look, we turn on the TV. Every news is something like that. This person's racist. Look at like Donald Trump always getting trouble for things. People are looking at that and it's, they think that's okay, you know, and it's upsetting. But I think we need to grow out of that because everyone has an opinion. Everyone has a voice. And what kind of world would we live in if we're all robots all thinking the same thing it would go nowhere i also wonder and this is always something that i say when it comes to this is when was it when was it enshrined into the constitution that i was entitled to go through my life without being offended (laughs) because that's that's how we're playing this game now that i am supposed to be able whether it's university college wherever else i am supposed to be able to go through my day never hearing anything that upsets me. And if it does upset me, it's not that maybe I need to think why it upsets me. I need to say, if Lauren says something that upsets me, you can't say that because my feelings are hurt or my sentiments are my whatever are upset. And we've come to that conclusion that if I'm upset, if I'm offended, you're wrong. Right. And the issue that of the majority rule is gone and the Toronto District School Board, um, 52% of the high school kids polled said that they absolutely liked having cops in their high schools. Mm-hmm. 11% said it made them uncomfortable. The cops are gone. That's illogical that 52 liked it, 11 did not. But I, I, the left has explained to me time and time again that I come from a position of middle-aged white privilege, so I don't understand. So I guess what I really don't understand, Scott, is math and democracy. Well. And you know what? You said left, and I agree that, especially on university campuses, it is largely coming from that side. Now, to be fair, there was a case in in Quebec at one of the universities there, and there was a student uh, who had said something that was against the right side. She was coming from the left and said something, and a lot of people there were screaming for her not to be able to say those things. It was on a Facebook or on a thing. And... It, but again, it goes both ways. You have, if you're going to say, I believe in free speech, you have to then be willing to listen to things and hear things that you disagree with. Sometimes strenuously, sometimes vigorously. You can't then say, it's only my point of view, but that's what we want. That's clearly what we're arguing here. Mm-hmm. I want free speech as long as it's free speech that I enjoy. And you know what? That's why I admire people 
who do take the stand and say how they feel with no regrets, right? They, they're not going to sit there and think, oh, all these people are going to hate on me or bash on me because I said this. I admire people who are, you know, strong like that and will say how they feel with no regrets. Mind you, if it's not insulting anyone, you know, they're just saying an appropriate thing that maybe some people don't agree with. And I feel like people are soft nowadays, you know, it's one way or the other. So I really admire people, especially people my age. You know, I feel like a lot of people, you know, in their adolescent years, they kind of quiet down and they don't take a stand for what they believe in. And we get walked all over. So people who want to say how they feel, I admire that and they should keep going. Why, though, do the and I'm not pointing at Mac, I'm not pointing specifically at Lori. I'm talking across the board. Why do the university and college administrators not say, you know what? Let's be more open. Suck it up. We're, we're, we stand for free speech here. Why, did, why does it seem that the default position is to go to the other side and say, if it upsets someone, we're not going to allow it to be said here? Because we don't have private universities where a political agenda can be right out front as to what kind, and, and, and we do, we do, but I mean, so like Redeemer College is going to have a different political bent than Mac, um, because it's a religious institution and stuff. But it, in the states, there are different universities um, with different levels of leanings on what you can say and whether Ann Coulter is coming or not. The way, it's similarly, you can identify your newspapers with which way they lean. But we have, for example, in the we- in Western Canada, we have Trinity Western University that is also in, a religious. That university. is a Christian university, but is facing a problem because they want to have a law school, and the Law Society of Upper Canada is saying, "Yeah, we're not going to." Now, I think they were told by the courts they have to, but the, the Law Society was saying, "You, c- we're not going to certify you because some of the things that are in your code of mm-hmm. conduct we don't agree with." So even if you have your own private university that would give you that. Right, then People you're going to need your own law society. It is, I, I go back to the part that I just don't understand, that it, the, I am supposed to never be offended. And I've, I don't know when that started. I don't know how that started. I don't know what got us to that point that we, I don't know when, that, when we tipped over that edge, when we suddenly said, it's, you know, I don't like hearing those things. Nobody likes hearing stuff they disagree with or that offends them. But it we replace, used to be okay with re- it. Replace offended with challenged. And that makes it all okay because when somebody has a different point of view yeah. and you can understand it and debate with them, you learn. But nobody uses that word. No. We and say offended. That brings passion when you know you're going to debate someone and brings out good qualities. But I feel like the internet is a big part of that because, mm-hmm. see, seriously, Ellen will post a great video and someone will be arguing in the comments and it's a reality show. It's Ellen. Like, you know, it's silly. There's nothing you can't do without somebody being offended. And it's just, you got to keep the fight going. And it's so silly. So. What's that, what's that rule? I can't remember the name of it. There's a rule for it that within like six posts or six pages or whatever that, uh, that Hitler, you'll be, me- there'll right. be a Hitler reference. There's a name for this yeah. thing and I can't remember, but even this, yeah, the, the, with Wilfred Laurier, that in the interrogation, somehow this teaching assistant who was on the side of the angels got accused of essentially using the same techniques the Nazis used, which was free speech. And I'm like, wait, how did we get to the point when now free speech is a tool of Hitler? I thought it was the other way around. But here's where it gets really difficult. And, and this, is, this is something we were talking about this coming into the show today. I had Britt Dixon from CHCH here on last night. If you were listening last night at the beginning of the show, you heard her. In the last couple of days, she has had some people as she's been doing her videos or doing her reports, pardon me, uh, one at Mohawk and other places yell an offensive slur at her. It's a sexualized offensive. We're not going to certainly say it on the air here or else we'll be having the next hour and 20 minutes of silence. Um, <laughs> but, phone calls. <laughs> but, but, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to say absolute free speech, mm-hmm. what was said was not... I don't know if it count. If, I don't know if it counts as a threat. No. It certainly no. is offensive. Yes. But if you're going to say absolute free speech, as offensive as that is, you have to also then I think say, person's a jerk for saying it. Person's an idiot for saying. It. I don't agree with them saying it. I think it's offensive and juvenile and stupid. But that would have to be okay, would it not? Yes. But this is when we come talking about you realize in your brain that what you're going to say is going to cause something negative. So why would you do that? And I. So there's not a purpose for it. No, he was. 
I literally think whoever said that did that to get some fame, maybe thought it was going to be on the internet because that's how everything's run these days. Oh, look at this clip on Twitter and it has a bunch of retweets. So I really think he did not think about that because that person has the president of uh, Mohawk College emailing every single student saying that this person is not welcome. How embarrassing is that? I'm sorry. I think that CH and, and Britt Dixon made a mistake by turning it into a big story. Um, that's only going to make more jerks come out and come out that. with their yeah. sophomoric behavior. Completely this isn't agree. a new story. This has been happening pretty frequently. A couple years ago, since uh, buying. Yeah, and I think she's okay. Like, the story was not she was injured or um, terribly upset by it, but you've kind of made the story bigger than the incident itself, and... Did it not just then happen again? Apparently, but... But... but yes, go I, ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I do have to say I give her all the credit for standing up for women's rights. Like, I'm an aspiring journalist. I'm an aspiring report uh, reporter, sorry. Like, that could easily happen to me. And you know what? A lot Like, my personality, I would probably just let it go and keep going, but then they're going to keep going, you know what I mean? So I like that they made a story out of that to say, hey, you're not going to get away with this. And until you guys learn, you're going to get charged, get kicked out of school. Like, is that really worth it to say a two-second comment? No, it's not. And the interesting thing about this debate of free speech to me on university campus is when I'm talking about free speech and the right to say different things, I'm not even, I mean, I raise that, but that's not what I exactly have in mind. That would be a corollary or or a, a collateral issue. But I'm saying if you want to have a debate about an issue, so there's a sharing of ideas, a going back and forth, a legitimate thing, that's where we don't allow it right now. And that's really, when when this guy is saying this to her, it's only for one purpose, and that is to be a jerk. Yeah. To be a jerk. But, and that's a, and again, if we're going to say absolute free speech, I suppose we have to include that in the free speech. I'm thinking more of if we're going to have a talk about on campus, a debate about abortion, about gay marriage, about this, about that, about slavery, about reparations for indigenous people, whatever it is, these are hot topics. You then have to be willing to listen to both sides. And those discussions are where we're generally shutting them down the loudest. Mm -hmm. But those are the ones that potentially are productive. At least they're for a legitimate, they're for a good reason you're having those discussions where this thing was just, as I say, just to be a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. I completely, yeah, no, I completely agree with what you just said. I don't, I don't know what they do. I I see no chance and I, I'm, I try to be optimistic. I see no chance that universities are going to take a stand suddenly and say, we are going back to the days when universities were the hotbed of political discourse and free speech reigned. I see no way that that's going to happen. And I don't know if that's because I expect that people would then sue the university because their safe space was gone or whatever. But I, I, am I wrong? I don't see any anybody at any university saying, that's it, free speech, and we will live with the consequences. Not until the student population is demanding it. Yeah that they need maverick professors who are applauded and enjoyed by the student body. But the one maverick professor, whether you agree with his position or not, right now, the one in current days is Jordan Peterson, the guy at University of Toronto. And rather than him being applauded, again, even if you vigorously disagree with what he is saying and his position on pronouns and transgenderism and all this, even if you think he's a jerk for what he's saying, I thought a lot of people would say, well, at least he's willing to stand against the common ground and say something unpopular that he wants to have a discussion. Mm-hmm. But that's not what's happening. Not with many. The vast majority, it seems, would rather shout him down and say, you can't say those things. I think because it's such a sensitive topic and really, when was it really talked about back in the day? It's just coming a thing now. So for someone to st- say how they feel I think people get so sensitive and think like you know in the struggle that these people have to go through they already have it hard enough so why add to their burden so I completely get that but then someone should be passionate and stand up and say hey I'm going to defend those people that's it. see that's exactly it that's exactly it the answer to a guy like that if, if you disagree with him is not to say you are not entitled to say what you believe it's say what you believe And now I'm going to rebut what you said and show you why you are wrong. Exactly. 
and like be proud about it. I would love to, you know, kind of have a debate with someone and kind of prove my points and make them feel like, oh, my brain just opened a little. Like, that's great. And I think a lot of people shy away from that because they're too scared and they just don't want to get into it. They get right into the what everyone says. Yeah, you can't say that. And be like everyone else, you know? De- debate is truly a lost art. It should be taught in school. I don't mean arguing. I don't mean laying down your position and me laying down mine. I mean actual debate, like the debating club. You make a point, I have to absorb it, counter it, then create my, like, there's a real thing. It develops logic and listening skills and all. it should be taught. Well, look, I mean, we got to go to break, but even look at our House of Commons. That used oh. to be a place where you had debate. That used really? to be. Yeah. No, once, no upon, once upon a time, it wasn't just shouting into the no, abyss. No, it was once upon Mr. a time, Speaker. there was a place where oh. you had, but you not only had debate and not just shouting at each other and everyone in the back going, right. <laughs> all right, and you once upon a time didn't just have that. You actually had people who showed up without talking points that were pre-written by their staff of 37 people paid for by the taxpayers that they're not going to actually answer the question. They're going to give you this pre-written Thing yeah. once upon a time, but that's long gone. We yes. are, even our politicians who politics to me is the one place where debate is supposed to still be the most active. Ninety nine percent of them yeah, are no, no good at it. They can't do it now. It's you shout an insult, you say you're offended, you send out a social media blast that says that that person offended me and he's an ist of some kind or she's an ist of a some kind. world we live in. Twenty seventeen people. <laughs> You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. We're, we just mentioned in the last segment about what happened with Britt Dixon and the comments. And, you know, this, uh, let's just sort of morph right into this for a few minutes because with everything that's going on these days with Hollywood and with politics and everything else, Louis C.K., who apparently is one of the worst offenders, the st- again, we're not going into the details, what he did apparently, according to reports. I'm not entirely sure when he came to the conclusion that that was going to be okay just to do what he did in front of women without any... Anyway, you can look it up. If you you really want to know what he did, again, I need to keep my license on here. You can look it up. But he basically made a comment after that I found really... um, I'm not sure what to make of this. And basically, Louis C.K.'s comment for what credibility he has and what it's worth is, you know, basically men are just pigs. Basically men are just pigs. And so you have to be almost expecting that stuff like this is going to happen because not every guy is going to do it, but men are pigs. And this is kind of their natural position that, you know, anything, anytime they don't do something like this, it's only because they're exerting discipline and behavior over their instincts and inclinations. Lauren, I'll go to you first on this one because you're the guy in the room. What, what do you take about a comment like that? That it's just, that, that's our natural position. And if we don't do it, it's just because we're controlling ourselves. Uh, Louis C.K. must have had a terrible mother who didn't raise him to respect her or women in general. He couldn't be more wrong that you can suggest that men are sexual creatures and all kinds of things. But to disrespect women, um, I can't ag- agree with that in the least. Sex, great, but consensual has to be the word in front of it. Always. And what Louis did is not even in in that realm. I know we can't. But it's just a, what he did was bizarre. But it's it. But Emily, have with all the stuff that's happening, it is easy to come to the conclusion. Look, every day there's two or three or four new people. Guys are pigs. Surely we're all pigs. We're all d- in our background, in our closet. There's all, everyone's going to have these things, right? Well, you know, I don't mean to offend the male population. Go but ahead. We're all about free speech. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but honestly, it's really upsetting because when people say things like that, guys think that's okay to do that. And I feel like, I mean, in the dating scene, especially now, it's like no one wants to stay committed. It's like going after one person and the other. And it's just, just so brutal now. And I know that's a little different from what we're talking about, but it just, I just have been in experience when a guy has, hasn't even asked for my name, anything, has just made a crude comment, expecting me to be like head over heels, like get lost. Like you don't approach a woman like that. And when you see A-listers saying that that's okay, that trust me, guys, it ain't okay. But see, that's where I think that this goes wrong specifically is that I think he's making it okay. He's trying to make it if it's, okay. If that's no. the norm, if that's where we all are and we're only not doing it because we're exerting some control over our natural instincts, yeah. then 
you know, I'm if you do it, if you do it, then Lauren, that's, you know, it's just, it's just slipped out. That's just who you are. I'm no, <laughs> no. And if, and, and you know what, if you gave uh, a different, if that comment had come from Dustin Hoffman, who had some, uh, an allegation, right. And, and his, the allegation was that his choice of words, uh, in terms of coming on to. Uh, some some young lady who was working in a movie he was in was a little bit too much. It's very different than what Louis did. There's we can't throw everybody into the same pile because what Cosby did. Is, but isn't it just different levels no, of piggery? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. That when Dustin Hoffman said something crude to the makeup lady, no one was raped, and. The argument that that loose of a tongue leads to rape, um, well, then never smoke marijuana because you'll be a heroin addict. Like, that's not true. And to throw it all in the same pile is ridiculous. Um, What Al Franken did was silly and sophomoric and juvenile. No one was hurt. No one got raped. No one... I, Not that I'm saying that what Al Franken did was okay, but... Um, there is a huge difference between Cosby at one extreme. Um, drugging and raping women is not the same. I get where he's coming from 100%, but I feel like when guys continue to make these absurd gestures, especially like like if I just walk into a bar, like I don't even get a, hey, hello, how are you? It's like right to hitting on me and it's not appropriate and that's not how you should meet a girl. And I get that that was nothing, you know, didn't rape me or anything, but I feel like when you keep doing that, it's like one step after another. You know, it can go to, it could possibly go to another level. And that's what concerns me because there's just the respect is gone, you know? And if you have the nerve to say that straight to my face, like, it just concerns me. That's all. There is a big part of this whole story that has been going on is the power thing, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's a big, big mm-hmm. part of this. But Emily, let me go back to you for a second because. While it may be wildly politically correct to say this, are there any women that display piggish behavior as well when it comes oh, to this? Oh, of course, of course, <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, um, but that's but we haven't heard any of that. And you know what? That is interesting. And I feel like it's a stereotype, right? You're always going to think the guy. And I know for a fact there's women who do that that exact same behavior. But once again, and I feel bad for the male population because it's always going right to them. But um, as of now, it'll be interesting because we're hearing stories every day. Hashtag me too. So you never know. I know there's stories of guys coming out on Twitter saying with that hashtag me too of their personal experience. So, you know. Now, most of those though, I believe, I expect, I believe are sexual abuse by, by men. I'll be, I don't know if it'll ever happen. I'll be very interested to see what happens if a guy in Hollywood or a male in the political world were to say that a female boss who had the power over him had come on and see how that would play. That would be a different thing. I don't yeah. know how that would, and, and it may not, out. and I don't know if it'll come out. I don't know if it will. And maybe that's because we have different expectations or that a guy would be embarrassed to suggest yeah. that he had been, uh, that I don't situation. know. No, I, I get where you're coming from, but I think it'll happen. There is a female politician whose name obviously will Thank you. Left out at a um, senior level of government, who is a renowned um, sexual harasser. Yeah, what's a, what's a female womanizer? Um, a manizer? Um, actually, her victims were women. Oh, okay. But but it, but it's it's the problem with this is and like the guys who were hearing ninety nine percent of the guys that were hearing about these stories, they are pigs. There's no way around the fact that the guys who are doing these things in almost every case are piggish, but the excuse that this is just every guy to me is an excuse. It is an excuse and it makes it worse because then it's putting saying, the blame on something. It's putting yeah. the, well, and it says that this is everybody does this. So why am I getting tarred for this when everybody's like this? And girls and women, they, they will agree with that. And it's sad because you're shutting out so many other guys that are actually nice guys but we have in our heads like oh he's just going to be a jerk you know what I mean or think that he can get away with that and that is I feel like the world we live in nowadays with things like that happening. Have you found that your 
female friends have a different attitude about guys since in the last couple of months since this has started about when you hear words when you hear comments has it changed something oh my gosh yeah it's every day like we literally sit there and we're like we're gonna be single forever because who wants to deal with that (laughs) like literally but I feel like that's kind of been a common theme for a while (laughs) at least on my behalf (laughs) but really I just I think the more we hear it and especially like this is only 2017 what's gonna happen in a couple years like all this is already coming out like it makes me nervous. I don't know whether I'm expecting that with all this stuff that it's going to continue at this rate or whether it's going to accelerate or whether it's going to, I've said before on the show, I think one of the things that may happen, and this is not a good thing, is that somewhere along the way, someone's going to make an allegation with all these ones that are, as far as we know, true, someone's going to make an allegation that is completely disproven. Whatever their reason for making this allegation may be, whether it's political or extortion or whatever, someone in this sea of legitimate allegations or stories is going to make up one. And what's going to happen is when it's disproven, it's now going to make all of the other ones not believable because everyone's then going to say, see, see what happened there? You can't believe this person either. And that's going to clean the deck for the people who should be called out on this. If you behave like this, Lauren, if, and not you, I mean the, the big you, mm. if you're someone out there who behave, I want to make that clear. Thank if you. you. <laughs> if you are one of those people out there who behave like this, you should be called out though, right? No one has an issue with these people being identified. Absolutely. I'm, I'm a little confused at all the hype around it, um, based on the surprise. Um, what do you mean? Well, it's always, in my estimation, um, when it began with Weinstein, the the casting couch wasn't imaginary in my mind. I always thought that's... Well, it's always been talked about, right. so there must be something to it. <laughs> there must be something to it, but yeah, it's... Uh, I don't think anyone has an issue, at least not that I've heard, with you know people like that when these situations no. have happened. If it gets out there, good, yeah. good. But it's going to be much more complicated when the day comes that A, it's a woman who's accused by a guy or by a younger woman. That's going to be a tricky one. Well, the expression is always believe the victim, but you need to know they're a victim before you can believe them, right? To follow that expression. Well, and and who was the person who, one of the people who led the believe the victim, I believe the women charge was Hillary Clinton, who was the least believing of the people who claimed to be victims of her husband. Right. It's a, it's, it's not as cut and dry as, as mm-hmm. yeah. it, it is made out to be. But if, you know, if you're one of those people who has behaved that way, I don't have an issue. I don't feel sorry for you for this thing coming out. I don't, but it's, it, I really believe this thing is going to get a lot more complicated before it gets more mm-hmm. clarity. It makes me sad that they took forever to know, come out. Like I know there's, they have to go through their own ways, but I'm glad it's happening now, but it's sad that it's been how many years for some it, people, well, you know? Well, the Dustin Hoffman one, if that's a legit, I mean, that one's a tough one. That's, I don't even know if that's what you would call, you know, that you walk into a room and that someone makes a clumsy, maybe obscene pass at you is not, as you say, it's not the same as some oh. of these others, but that was 30 years ago. Yeah. You're listening to the Scott Radley show weeknights from seven to nine on AM 900 CHML. Uh, Emily Taylor, Mohawk journalism student. Thanks for doing this. Glad to have you here. Thank you. And next to her, Lauren Lieberman, who has been a veteran on this program, and we're thankful for that. You see him on Cable 14's O Show and many other places. I'm old. I'm a veteran. You're a veteran. Yeah, you're a veteran. coming for your title. Uh, All right. I don't know if you... um, Remember there was a Saturday Night Live skit years ago with Tom Hanks and uh, and, um, Paul Simon and a bunch of others where if you got to be a five-time... Host, you got right. the jacket yeah. and the private club. Well, I, you've got to have the jacket. I don't know if you're the number one veteran yet, but you're getting close. That's uh, and that's a that's a that's a good thing. Keep calling. Yeah, we'll keep calling. <laughs> we'll, right. Eventually, we're going to have you know like private your special seat. It'll be reserved seating <laughs> for uh, for veterans. There, uh, we got a lot of stuff to get to in this hour. We're gonna um, we're gonna go through a bunch of these different things. But first up, there was a discussion. This, well, I think it started last week, maybe it started the week before. I don't know when this thing started, to be honest, but it came up again in recent days in this city about whether or not everybody in the city should be able to ride our public transit for free. Is this the panacea to all of our public transit problems? It's too expensive for people who, well, it's too expensive for people who are on low incomes to pay for the transit, but we also want to encourage people who are not 
struggling to pay to use public transit, but they don't want to necessarily buy a ticket because they've got a car or whatever. So let's just make public transit free for everybody. And that will, Lauren, obviously, logically, so goes the argument, I think, if I understand it correctly, cause many, 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 many more people to want to use public transit. Therefore, it will be used more fully and it'll be worth sponsoring and spending more money on and everything will be better. Have I got it sort of right to what the argument is? I think I do. I, I, I don't agree in the least, but I, I you're spewing the, the <laughs> right kind of stuff. that's yeah. what the suggestion is. Yes. And you don't agree with that idea. So I think that would be a very good step towards solving the HSR bus driver problem, that if they didn't have the duality of the job of A, driving the bus, and B, collecting fares, they would get punched and spit on and verbally abused far less that because that happens daily um, in our HSR. But um, separate from that, anybody with need who can't afford to ride the bus rides the bus for free already. So there are buses um, in the lower city where the majority of people on them are subsidized to ride for free on a regular basis. So that argument... I heard you say it. I've heard other people say it. It's not true. Um, seniors can ride for free. Um, anybody on social assistance can ride for free. Students who can't afford bus tickets can apply to ride for free. That already exists. So the only legitimate reason, unless um, we want to go on you know, not having the drivers take fares anymore, is it'll get some more cars off the road, but I'm not sure it'll really do that. Emily? Well... My concern would be about jobs, obviously. Like, so how would they be getting paid through sponsorships? Like, no taxpayers. Taxes. Oh, ta- taxes. Oh, everyone's yeah. going to get everyone's so taxes. Are, the taxes are going to go up. Then will they not? Like, that's not fair. Well, yes, everyone. And if you never use the bus, too Which bad. Which I so don't. <laughs> too bad. And if you live way out in the boonies, if you mm-hmm. live in Flamborough, where there is no bus, where there's no bus service, or very infrequent, you will still have to pay. And this is this to me becomes a problem. I am. People are, feel free to disagree with this, but I am someone who leans towards user fees more often than not user fees. Not across the board, not for everything, but let's let's pay taxes towards certain things, but then enhance those things with user fees rather than paying more taxes for everything. And because I just don't, I don't see that that I don't see that that's going to work. I don't see. I'm with Lauren on the one point. I don't see that that is going to necessarily take cars off the road. I don't see that a bunch of people are going to say, "Hey, it's free, therefore I'm going to take the bus from my house when I can get to work in my car from the mountain in 12 minutes, and the bus will take an hour, yeah. but it's free." Or I'm going to drive from Flamborough, ditch my car somewhere, so I can then hop on the bus is lunacy. It doesn't happen in other communities, so why would it happen here? Well, that's always been the concern for, um, not necessarily rural, but suburban, not downtown people with the LRT. Of course. At the two ends of the LRT, there's no giant parking lot at each end, so you could leave your car and go through the city. So unless you live on the line, it's going to, or want to take a bus to it, Mm -hmm. it's going to be difficult. This is symptomatic of what has happened, um, the overall agenda of the city of Hamilton. In the 80s and 90s, Downtown couldn't couldn't get a moment's of attention at City Hall. And the pendulum has swung so far. Now, if you are not on a bus route, you're a lesser Hamiltonian. You're not you're not real Hamilton. Everybody should be an urbanist is the way it, it works now at City Hall. And it's not a fair reflection of how a lot of people have to live. We need people to live in our rural communities if we want to eat. I have had the same conversation, we're getting off the bus track a little bit here, but I've had the same conversation about the idea that if you live in the suburbs, somehow you are a suburbanite, you're a whatever, that the downtown is real Hamilton, as you say. And I, I, I completely... I think it's a ridiculous argument, but you know what? Knock yourself out if you want to have that, but don't, but don't require then every single thing that happens in the city must only be considered a possibility if it's going to be downtown. Build the downtown, encourage growth of the downtown, build condos, bring people downtown, but don't exclude every idea that isn't about the downtown. Right. 
wouldn't that be like why the transit is such a hot topic like the go train like isn't that always a conversation and it's always downtown obviously like what's the status on that like isn't has all day go service bob bertina promised that while he was still a counselor running for mayor so any day now i guess (laughs) well and and look there are there are reasons there are probably more people in the downtown who don't have a car because they are in a condo or they are in great uh, smaller homes without a driveway or they are millennials who are buying homes and fixing them up and don't have a car and that's fine no one's dumping on that so public transit is a necessary option for them, but to go back to where this conversation started. Well, I think that's important, Scott, that we do need to talk about where this came from and that being from Councillor Sam Marula, who he's the one who has pitched this. It did not get the support he was looking for. Well, now, did it not get the support he was looking for because... Well, he was looking for it to be studied. Yes, but did it not get that because the people didn't like it or because the peripheral actions that were going on that day had antagonized the other councillors sure. so badly that they weren't going to support it. And that, of course, there was a situation. Why don't you explain? You, you, you know the situation. Sure. Councillor Pasuda, um, the most rural of our councillors, had a couple of terrible accidents, has been recently back uh, to work at City Hall. After a long absence. Many, many months. Um, and because he's so well-loved and well-respected by the majority of councillors, they chose not to force a by-election. Um, he is not back with 100% uh, uh, stamina and steam behind him. And Councillor Sam went after him, um, suggesting that uh, his opinions on, on transit are relevant as he's not engaged because he hasn't been around much, which... It was met with... It was a lot harsher than what the way I just verbalized. But, and it was met with widespread scorn. Sure. As I, I was not at the council meeting, but from what I read from Andrew yes. Dreschel and what I've heard from others, it was met with widespread scorn. And I wonder, you know, I, look, people have strong opinions about Councillor Marula, and that's entirely fine. Politicians are supposed to engender at times strong opinions. Mm-hmm. And there are ideas. I had him on this show and we talked about his idea for the downtown development of First Ontario Centre and that kind of thing. And I think that's actually a terrific idea. So it's not about the ideas, but I look at what happened at council where this situation with Councillor Pasuda and him being insulted. And I think even if Councillor Marula's idea about free transit was the best idea ever, I don't know how it gains any traction when all people are doing is steaming because of a comment that was made about a man that they love. Right. So we're, we're missing one of the connecting dots in all of this is that without uh, um, the elimination of area rating will mean all of this. So at this moment in time, you do not pay for the services you don't get, i.e. busing. Um, and if that came to an end, then everybody would pay uh, for it, and the tax increase would not burden those who already have bus service nearly as much as those who don't. Right. So, Emily, if you live and you do out in the now, you're not you're you're not in the Hamilton. It's not, not considered Hamilton. No, but interesting. No they either. are actually debating whether to bring the HSR to Haldeman County. There, there was an article on that, and they're going to test the waters on that. So this could really be impacting me now, but um, because Caledonia is growing so big now, um, it really could serve us to have that, and people could come and go with this bus service. So I know that was a hot topic there. So it could possibly happen. But there's a, but there's even more, and that's, it's a, I mean, it's a good point, but there's even more, if you live in an area that is within the city of Hamilton that doesn't have the service, it's one thing to have little service, or it's one thing to choose not to use the service. I used to live in Jerseyville, Scott. So I, not only did I not have bus service, I did not have sewers or city water. I didn't even have sidewalks or streetlights. The only thing that the city did for me was pick up my garbage, sometimes. That's it. That's the only service um, that we got. And I suppose I get all the other services, like I could drive five miles to get on a bus, but there was no bus. I don't think urbanists understand there's lots of people that live that way. But it's, if again, if you don't, if you choose not to use a service, if I decide not to go to a library but I have the library that is available to me, that's my choice not to use it. Yes. And if I choose to send my children to a private school, but there's a public school available, I I cannot 
complain that I have to pay my taxes towards school. I know that that exists, and but if you don't have that service, correct? It seems like such a stretch to ask people to then pay for it. But the only way that if you're going to make HSR free for everybody, the only way, unless you're going to absolutely zing the people in the downtown with $500 a year in extra taxes, and you know that's not going to happen, no. <laughs> would be to spread it out to everybody, including those who don't have that service. It is pretty free. Um, and it's not free to the HSR, but it's, it's free to those who ride it, who need it to be free. People forget that point. I know anytime I need it going from school to downtown for whatever reason, I just show my one card and then I'm in. So, And had you, know. you paid for that one? Like, well, you paid tuition. Yes, yeah. So, But was there any extra on your tuition for buses? Yeah. Or was it, oh, there was? Yeah. So, I mean, and again, I don't use the bus because I go completely the other way, but I'm not going to sit there and go through everything my tuition pays for because, you know, if I need it, it's there. Like, I don't use the gym there, but my tuition pays for that. Same with benefits. I don't use that either. But if you really sit there and pick at that, like, what's the point? Because that is beneficial for someone there, you know? So Yeah. No, I, look, I, I, and by the same token, if I was doing, I don't know if Mohawk has like an online thing, but if I was living in California and oh, doing and, Mohawk yeah. courses online and they had me being charged for use of the gym at the Mohawk campus, I would, that I'm looking at going... That's a little different. That, You're not that, even that, in Canada. That doesn't even seem, <laughs> seem to make sense because I cannot, it's not a choice. Mm-hmm. I can't use it. But I, So it comes to the point of do we, do we want to tell everybody that you will pay for the bus service so everyone else can use it for free? And you know what? And if you don't use it, it's your choice, but you've already paid for it. And Because again, I think the idea here is, Lauren, not that we'll get the lower income people, as you described, who already have access. We want to get the guys and the women in suits who are going to downtown Hamilton or whatever to their building downtown. We want to get them on. And I just, maybe I'm naive, maybe I'm pessimistic. I don't see them lining up if they're coming from Dundas, Stony Creek, Ancaster, Flamborough, the South Mount. I don't see a lot of them saying, yeah, I'm going to change my entire morning routine and get on a bus. Especially when we're building an LRT that doesn't bring one community to another. So had it gone all the way to Dundas, you might see a bump of of transit users coming from Dundas. Um, LRT in, in normal communities takes people from where they live to where they work, from where they live, to where they play. This is a merry-go-round. But we're not having uh, that discussion. Does does it have the little jingle that plays? I certainly hope so. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. There's another idea that has been thrown around in recent days is that we should have more surveillance cameras in our cities, in our public parks, more cameras to monitor, to make... now. Not to spy on us, to stop people from vandalizing and other criminal activity. Uh, Are you a big fan of surveillance cameras? I mean, it doesn't bother me, but maybe that's because I know I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just, you know, living the life and it is what it is. If someone wants to spy on me, whatever. But to that is how is the rate in downtown Hamilton or Hamilton in general? Where are they wanting to do this? Well, in the, I guess, in the parks where they say they're having some stuff going on. So so it's been ongoing then. It's been ongoing and there, th- this would be a, det- I don't even know if you, see, here's the thing. I don't even know if you need these cameras hooked up because you would think that if they just had a fake body of a camera, you don't tell people which ones are the ones that work, put a flashing light on a body of a camera. Surely some people are going to say, oh, if I'm going to vandalize, I won't do it right where the camera can see me. Yeah, that's actually true. They're just going to go gonna, to another place. Yeah, if I'm going <laughs> to mug someone, I'm not doing it. Well, that see, and there becomes the problem. It's just going to move to a different location. So then are you going to bring up the topic? Oh, we'll put a camera here. That's See, that my exact point is I don't know that, I mean, while criminals are not necessarily the brightest people <laughs> on the planet, heaven knows, there are some of them that are at least coherent enough to say, I'm not going to commit a crime directly in the sight of a surveillance camera. There are a few that are that bright, but I don't know that they're going to then not commit a crime, Lauren, 
period. I don't think they're going to see the camera and go, you know what? I renounce my life of crime. I am now going to be a productive citizen and do nothing wrong ever again. They're going to, as Emily says, find somewhere else. I, I don't have much of a level of expectation of privacy in a public space. Um, but I also don't have a whole lot of fear that anybody's actually looking at what's on those cameras. Well, I don't think they're looking live. I think the idea is that you can if go back and happened. see the tape. You yeah. can review the right. tape. But but the whole Big Brother notion that there's eyes on you, I, I don't think uh, anybody finds my life interesting enough to want to keep that. There hasn't been a me. reality show yet. The uh, <laughs> We could come up with a name for it. Mm-hmm. The Low Show. I'm lying. You could do it's, the O Show and the very, Low Show. It's a very exciting life. <laughs> no, but it... I, I've I've backed off a little bit, in fact, quite a bit on the idea of the public cameras on it me because me. presumably I'm not doing any no. anything wrong. But some I get, people will be bothered by that. Some people are bothered by it, and I, for whatever reason, and that's fine. They're they're entitled to be bothered by, but I just don't see how if you put a camera here, as you say, they're just going to move over to there. Then you got to put a camera there, and then you and each one of these is fifteen or twenty grand. And how many cameras are we going to have blanketing our city yeah. to catch all? And if and if we're going to do this, if we're going to do this, why are we not saying let's then spend two million dollars and blanket the city so that every single crime that is committed outside of a private residence we can now have on camera? When they put red light cameras on a light, um, and separate from the motivation of it's a money maker, do people stop running that light? I think probably they do if there's a sign that says it's a red light camera. Right. And if and as long as they remember that camera's there. So I don't think if I learned that that's where the camera is, that I'm going to run through the next light that doesn't have one. You don't think so? You don't think they're going to be less careful the next time to go through, to gun it at the yellow? If you If you know that that one is a red light camera and it's a yellow light, you may not put your foot down on the Correct. pedal. But the next one, if it's not, you might go, oh, I want to get through. No, I th- no, Scott, I actually think that the camera is making me not want to get the ticket no matter where it is. Just like the camera might make me not want to put graffiti anywhere. I don't know. I don't know if it creates transient uh, uh, crime or whether it's just a general deterrent. Nobody goes around uh, through parks looking for cameras, do they? I think the idea is good, but it, it might need a little more planning to go because just like that in two seconds we thought of another idea we've thought of a plan b that someone could do you know so they're gonna need to kind of go through that more but i think the idea and the safety is there i like that that they're trying to get something going you don't think you you don't think that people would either of you think that people would learn where the cameras are if i'm a drug dealer if i'm gonna even if i'm doing just dealing dime bags of pot or something and I know there's a camera in the park because in the daytime I've happened to be around here. Oh, there's a camera there. I'm going to make sure, okay, I'll stand right behind the camera. So, like, again, I, it's not that these people mm. are Mensa yeah. society members, yeah. but they're smart enough to know I'm not going to do it right where the camera is going to see me. And they could put, like, a hoodie on or a mask on. You know what I mean? Like, things like that to help them. But, no, that's, that's what I mean. That's something they need to go through if you're going to actually follow through with this. Like, can't they do something with, like, police patrol? Like, has that been said at all? Like that, well, the idea is that costs more money because you have then staff that have to do it and you may, and you know what, even if a policeman is patrolling or a policewoman is patrolling, you may walk by there. The person sees you walk by and when you're out of sight, then they do their thing and you can't be, the camera presumably is everywhere, but Seems like there's a plan B for everything, you know? Of course there is. Of course there is. And I mean, we've had the talk about the idea of, um, you mentioned red light cameras of, uh, uh, radar a photo radar. Mm-hmm. Well, I have huge problems with that, not because of the privacy element of it. Uh, you know, if you're speeding, you're speeding. The problem to me is, as soon as you have photo radar, that seems to be licensed to say, the reason we're putting photo radar, other than making money, on the street is so we can send our police officers to do something else that's more productive. But photo radar doesn't get people who are swerving in and out of traffic. It doesn't get people who are following too closely. It doesn't get people who are drinking and driving. All it gets is speeders. And so you're solving one problem, but opening the door to a whole lot of other stuff that will not get caught then. But you're also solving the problem of budgetary concerns. Well, you, you are doing that. Which can then solve other problems. Well, maybe. Maybe. If, you know, if you're going to say, look, we're going to make photo radar, we're going to make the revenue from photo radar go toward hiring new cops. Uh, they never have any trouble meeting their quota. Who? 
The cops? No, photo radar oh. machines. No, the photo radar machines yeah. always make their quota. Yeah. Somehow. Somehow <laughs> it does. I don't know. I, I I just look at this idea of of the of the cameras everywhere. And again, it's not so much the privacy thing. I'm not that I can think of. I'm not doing anything criminal when I'm walking around. I'm not streaking the park. I'm not doing anything else. I'll, <laughs> I got I got to imagine though at the police station there might be some funny videos that pop up at some point. But I'm sure. But it just seems that it it's a game that doesn't have an end to it because there's always a way around the camera and as long as our unless Hamilton criminals are the dumbest criminals on the planet and it's maybe possible. they are maybe they are mm. maybe you know may, maybe that's what we're overlooking that we really do have the dumbest people who are, who are criminals that uh, I don't run into too many of them thankfully but maybe they you know maybe that's an issue they're still talking about this one, though, so we're going to find out if we're going to have more cameras in more parks to catch more vandals and more drug dealers and more muggers and more... Bad things. Whatever, yeah, <laughs> stranger things. <laughs> more stranger things. You know, one of these days, though, I hope that when they do have these cameras, if they do, that they really will get something supernatural on the camera. Like oh, real, let, let's yes. catch something that we, like we can't even explain and create a local mystery. That would be good. That would make the cameras like worthwhile. Proof of the Loch Ness Monster in Beasley Park. <laughs> <laughs> like that? So I want to see Sasquatch walking by. <laughs> then see, then the cameras for me is worthwhile. If we can actually have something that mm. creates a controversy and a story, a myth in Hamilton of some sort of strange creature... All right, I've come around. Cameras everywhere. That would be good for downtown <laughs> Hamilton. That would be great. I, people would come to see that. We could do have, night tours, everything. I, I have to have a name for this <laughs> Hamilton creature. I don't know what it would be, but yeah, we could start that and yeah, have people starting to come downtown to search for the uh, <laughs> the missing creature. That's the only reason I'm in favor of these cameras. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. There was, uh, we had someone on this week explaining what was going on in Zimbabwe because a lot of people have heard there's something going on in Zimbabwe and so many of us are going, I think I'm supposed to know what's going on. I know there's something important and it was great. He came on and, but my question is this, and listen, I, I was in that group who did not have a fulsome knowledge of what it was. I'm first to admit that I should have known better, but why do we I don't think we've always, as a North American society, been as absolutely clueless about everything that happens outside our borders. But we are now. Why are we... Is it just that we are so self-centered that we couldn't care less what happens in the world? No. You don't think so? I don't think so. Well, I... For... I don't know. I look at things that are happening. Like, I'm obsessed with the news. I love knowing what's going on. And my family's like that, too. And it's always been like that. So maybe growing up in a different household where they didn't spend time watching the news. And I'm always on the internet, Twitter, like CNN, uh, CH, everything local to the world. I'm always following up on it. Because in one way or another, it is going to affect but us. But you are, sorry, you're unusual. Yeah, I, I understand. You're weird, I'm, Emily. You're weird. <laughs> and I understand most, my field. No, but most people, that, if I had gone up to most people, Lauren, this week and said, give me a 10-second explanation of what's happening in Zimbabwe, I bet you if I had gone down the streets of Hamilton, one in a hundred might have been able to do it, and they would probably be here from Zimbabwe. I think a lot of that has to do with it being a story from Africa that that is a very magical, strange place that we don't follow at all. That from Idi Amin to apartheid in South Africa, I can't think of a story in between. Well, yes, you can. The drought, the Ethiopian drought in the 80s. Thank you. That Thank we, you. That we all, no, Live Aid and yes. all that. that, that Thank but, you. but that was, but there are, there are a few stories that we latch on to. And sadly, and this is the really unfortunate part, in North America, it seems the key to getting us interested, if it is a story from Africa, is some starving, hopeless, pathetic looking child. That seems to be the trigger that gets us to pay attention. Short of that, we don't know what's going on. We don't have the visual that gets us engaged. But it's not just Africa. We don't know. You could, you could go downtown and I bet you, you could say, tell me one thing happening in South America today. Blank stairs. Tell me one thing that's happening in most of Europe today. Blank stares. We know what's go we know about Donald Trump. We know about the Kardashians. We know about everything here. Most of it's stupid. 
We don't know anything in the rest of the world. I don't know why. I, first of all, has that always been the way, do you think? I don't think so. I there's think we, always been stupid people. There's always been stupid people, yes. but I think we North Americans had a better comprehension of the world in the past, I think. I feel like people think that if it doesn't affect them or if it's not something they're facing right now, it's just, it's old news. It doesn't even bother them because they're going on about their day of what's happening in their world. And I guess I get that, but I think people, like, I feel like in my age, people don't really care about the news or even pay attention to what's going on. And they don't realize that it kind of comes in full circle and it you're going to have a conversation about it one day or another. And I feel like things are just different. Like, People say that the TV is going because of the internet, but like they're not on there searching what's going on in the world. You know what I mean? And I feel like people just need to open up their mind and like care about these things. But we should have way more knowledge about the world because we have way more TV stations, way more radio stations, way more, well, maybe not way more newspapers, way much more internet, way more ways, Lauren, to get Twitter. We sh- Even if you only follow Twitter, there should be some realization of what's going on in the world. Right, but I don't think that access to information provides people with the impetus to care. Yeah. That, that, he just bang on. That's So you can know it, you can see it, you can hear it, but you're, if you're not going to get engaged in it, who cares? Right. Exactly. They're going to read the headline and be like, well, there you go, that's in Africa. Let's move on to something in Ontario. You know, if even so, if they do, there's, I, there's no Canadian blue helmeted troops. There, and I'm not, we're right? not saying that's okay. I don't, think, okay. So. I don't no, think that's no. okay at all. But I, but I know I agree with you a hundred percent. I think if you see, for example, in this particular case, if you see Zimbabwe, whoop, on to the next thing. I'm bored before I even start because I don't really have a reason to care about it. Right. So they overthrew Mugabe, which is a name we're familiar with. Somewhat. Of. Some people are. The end. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Right. Le- He's gone. And- a new guy was elected. No. Not oh elected. no. Oh well, I thought there was a new guy going. Well, in. it was a military. His party, you know, had a was going to impeach him, and so he stepped down. Willingly. And, uh, you're giving. Uh, come on, you're boring me. No, <laughs> but uh, but that's exactly right. But that's exactly what people would because be saying. people can't fathom where Africa is. So how do you want them to absorb the stories they're in? But even the stories that we do seem to latch on to, I don't know that we fully latch on to them that we get it. And I, another story mm-hmm. I think of that was a big one that from a few years ago that people were paying attention to from overseas, the Arab Spring uprising. If you ask people, what was the Arab Spring? I don't think most people would... You know what? You know what that was, was the, Occupy Wall Street with sand, right? Well, kind of. Okay. But you, you know what got people interested in That's the funny. Arab Spring story finally was when the 60 minutes reporter uh uh what's her name uh was basically attacked in the square there by the guys and she had to be saved and was almost torn apart suddenly now so a different story out of the original story and an american blonde woman who is now over there covering it there's a it it became relatable it became basically the jack and rose story in the titanic tragedy we can now we have a person that we can associate or affiliate or identify with Ooh. so we don't have to think about the big thing we can just pay attention to the love story or in this case the horrible story i just am amazed that we don't that that we've I say that we have lost our ability to pay attention. I, I, I don't know that That's we ever did it. That's a big debate, but you know what this reminds me of is history. Just, you know, when you take it in high school and I'm guilty of this, I didn't think this would be useful to me. I didn't think this would affect my life. And here I am 24 years later and I'm like, wow, I really should have paid attention because again, it's all full circle. Everything that's happening, I learned about then and I really didn't pay attention. And I think people that are, you know, growing up and especially in high school, grade nine, you need to really, like that should be mandatory, I feel. Oh, I do too. But I also think what you need, and I don't want to be dumping on history teachers because I actually, I know some kids who have found history in high school really interesting because their teachers have made it relevant and interesting. But if the teacher just is... And then in 1066, Hadrian's Wall was built. And then, blah, blah, and it's like, well, what do I care? It has yeah. to be a story. It has to be something that matters. And that gets you, as you just said, that engages yeah. you so you keep up with it. Scott, you're a, a sports writer more most of the time. Yes. Don't you write a lot of stories of local content? Yes. Relatable. But isn't that the same thing? You're not writing about the biggest or even most interesting stories. You're writing about the stories that we would. <laughs> no, I mean worldwide. No, I know what you mean. Right, but I know what you mean. But 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 at the same time, it would because, pass. But because I write those, 
I'm not saying only read in the paper what I write. Okay, I'm not telling people that I want you You've to buy told the, me that many times. Yeah. Oh, buy the Spectator, ignore everything else, and only read my column because nothing else is relevant. No, you were trying to say here's something, here's a sliver of what we have going on here, but there's more stuff. For whatever reason, we just seem in, incapable almost of broadening our perspective to care or to be concerned or to be interested in the rest of the world. I, and I, I don't know which one of those it is, to be honest. Well, I also think now, especially in the States, it's it's such a show, right? People are tuned in because they're like, oh, what is he going to do next? Meaning Trump, right? So I feel like that's very negative because they're not even tuning in to see what the news is. It's what he's going to be making headlines for next, you know? So I think that's at fault a little bit. So when it comes to the world news, it's not entertaining. It's not good half the time. And it's mainly the same things that are going on. So people are just in one year out the other. So if Trump wasn't the ruler of our neighbor and wasn't white and didn't speak English, we wouldn't be nearly as engaged? If Trump was the president and didn't speak English, that would be fascinating. Well, <laughs> some might think he yeah, I just think doesn't. if he was behaved more, like it would settle down because everyone's ready for him to do something, you know, crazy that's going to make headlines and he's always doing something to make people it how is a many distraction, people my age sure. are so into Trump because of everything he's done they probably don't know anything about him besides all the disasters that's all your happened. friends love Trump no not Trump. I don't mean love but they're into it because they're like wow this it's is what's happening in the states they want to make America great again. it's a soap <laughs> opera <laughs> I'm done talking <laughs> the Scott Radley show weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 AM 900 CHML